it's a great reward for Mace um, spending a year um, or having his football mortality in front of him and then coming across here and he's just he's just the ultimate professional That was Seb Ross talking about Mason Wood's football mortality. We'll get into that a little bit later. Of course, this is the Footy Dictionary on Sin. Welcome for another week, our second week on Sin Radio. I'm very, very excited. My name is Harper Pesting, and we are here to answer footy questions like how sluggish must a slugfest be? Which tall forward's name sounds most like a disease? And, of course, what is a journeyman? And with me to discuss all that and much, much more, it's Connor Buttergeek. First up, how are you going, Connor? Good, Arthur. Um, not great coming off a tough weekend in footy, but obviously um, Hamish has probably had a bit of a better Saturday night especially than I did. But, yeah, Hamish, how are you? Oh, probably a bit better than you, I think, Connor. Um, the turn has uh, tabled, as they say. It's been a, been a pretty good week for the footy world, I would, would have thought. Harper, how are you, Matt? <laughs> I'm very good, mate, and uh, I'm all the better for not having to introduce you. Connor's taken over that role for a week, but uh, Hamish, straight off the bat, you you have a little bit of something to talk about, a bit of a gripe that you had from Friday night footy, I believe. Yeah, I've got a little um, bone to pick with James Brayshaw with the comment that he made just post-game from the St Kilda and Power game on Friday night. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't get the audio for it, but... Um, he said in regards to Jason Horn francis he said if Horn francis has half the career Paddy Dangerfield has had, Port fans are going to be pretty happy. Uh, boys, could you agree with that or not? Oh, it's, it's hard to make up my own opinion. Maybe Connor can get into a bit later, but I guess the question that needs to be asked is, well, how, how happy are Port fans with it? Well, no one can answer that question better than this man himself. I thought we'd make a call, boys. I've got Al from Alberton on the line. Good evening, Al. Uh, good evening, Hamish. Boys, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. No worries. It's good to have you on. Now, did you watch the game on Friday night against St Kilda? Bloody oath I did. And how good were the scenes? Oh, it was certainly a wonderful performance from the Port boys. Um, did you stick around and watch the coverage post-game? I um I did catch the coverage post game and I saw some disgusting and um, idiotic comments from James Brayshaw as well post match. Well, there you go. Can you remember what he said? I'll, if not, I'll just quickly uh, <laughs> recap for you. Al, he said that if Horn Francis has half the career that Paddy Dangerfield has had, Port fans are going to be pretty happy. Now, Al, if this indeed uh, comes to fruition, are you going to be a happy Port Adelaide supporter? Yeah, hey, James Brayshaw, if you're listening, give me a spell, mate. I've done the math, okay? Um, I heard these comments, I went home, and I went on my calculator, got on the computer, and here's what we're talking, all right? We're talking 150 games, um, averaging 11.91 disposals, uh, 0.52 goals a game, and as a midfielder, (laughs) you're kidding me, aren't you, JB? I'm not happy with that. I'm not having it. So what what you're saying, Al, is if perhaps Juan Francis reaches this coveted 150 games mark, averaging 12 disposals and half a goal, is that what it was around that? Uh, yeah, so it was, give me a spell, it was under 12, but yeah, around that. <laughs> well, so if that's the case, are you going to join in with the 17 other club supporters in booing Horn Francis off the grounds at his 150th? Yeah, Hamish, I'm not just going to join in. I'll be leading the pack 
uh, and I'll be billing Port Adelaide into relegation um, if that's the sort of numbers he's uh, delivering. And I'll tell you what, while I've got you here, um, I just want to touch on for a moment Collingwood. How do these pricks keep winning games in such a fashion? I mean, when I look back to round two, I'm sort of starting to think that I need to email Wada or Akada or was ever in charge in 2013 with the Bombers because these pricks can't keep winning like this. I mean, 135 to 64 against us back in round two, I mean, you know, it's fucking pretty clear that they're on something. No, I'm saying <laughs> it's, it's definitely a tinfoil hat conversation. I think no, it's probably no, best for another time. It's what it is. I mean, they can't keep doing this. AFL have got to step in, investigate, full investigation, because it's not right. All right, thanks, Al. Thanks for your time. No, We're going to have to cut you off there, unfortunately. Tasmania team. I mean, come on, give me a spell. <laughs> give me a right old. We're going to have to cut Al off here. Very much appreciated from Albert. Uh, a little bit off topic from Al from Alberton, but we appreciate his comments on the Horn Francis situation. Um, boys, our thoughts, please. Well, I'd like to thank Al from Alberton very much for calling in to uh, the phone number that we've never announced on the show <laughs> and our producer for hitting the hang up button. Um, well, well, Connor, what your thoughts actually first? Well, where do I start? Uh, it's a strong case Al had for us, but. Um... <laughs> If we are talking stats, just to put something out there for you, if we're going half the career, um, Paddy Dangerfield's won four club best and fairest over his time. He's had eight All-Australian appearances, won a flag. Um, obviously, you can't really half that. But <laughs> would you be happy, boys, if uh, a star midfielder in your team won two club BNFs and four All-Australian appearances? Well, perhaps that's where Al's got it wrong and he's looking too deep into the actual footballing stats and not the awards list. Um, mm. Maybe maybe if you take the awards into account and halve that, uh, you take it. But is he really going to get up and win two club best and fairest averaging, uh, what was it, 12 disposals <laughs> and half the goal? 0.52 so, goals a game or something like that, I think. Yeah, yeah maybe not. Um, so maybe Al has a point. Yeah, I was I was on to me. I think I was. He's just a step ahead of all of us. Al, he's got a diff. He's on a different wavelength down in Alberton. <laughs> I think potentially it's taken a bit too literally for for some of the football and stats, like like you say, Hamish. But if you do split those into individual awards, it, is it impressive? Is it an impressive enough career for you? Oh, it's not something you look back on in fifty years and tell your kids about, but it's. Something you'd take. I think if I was a Port fan, I would be pretty happy with like seeing a bloke win two club BNFs. And how many grannies has Dangerfield played in two? I think it is. So if and he's even eight if he, all Australians as well, it's, yeah. It's even if he can get if he can get him to one grand final, obviously, albeit not being all onto his shoulders, but if they see him bring him to a grand final, I think they'll be pretty happy as well. And. Connor, you, you called him a star. We, we will get into a bit of analysis of a star later here on the Free Dictionary. But Hamish, you were going to say something? Uh, well, maybe we just have to call Al back in 12 years' time <laughs> and, and see if we can get a follow-up on this call. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it's going. Because he, he has to sound like he's uh, been smoking about a pack a day. So if he's still with us, Al, we'll, we'll dial him up <laughs> in 12 years from now. But uh, uh, Hamish, you, you had another bit of audio as well. Should, should we get into that? Yeah, we shall. The Seb Ross audio that we played at the start of the episode. Do you want to just play that one again for us? 
I will. It's, Thank I'll you, correct sir. myself. It's not another bit of audio because you were very, very poor and couldn't get the fourth bit of audio. But here is our Sebros <laughs> audio. Just to finish on a, a really positive note, Mason Wood's 100th game. It's taken him a decade to get there, but it's great to see him hit that milestone. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a great reward for Mace. Um, spending a year um, having his football mortality in front of him and then coming across here, and he's just, he's just the ultimate professional. So eloquently spoken is Seb Ross, but is <laughs> he has he got this run? <laughs> has he got this one right? Does it make sense to have your mortality in front of you? Oh, it's actually a tough one. I don't have a huge stance on it to be honest. I don't think it was. I, I can sort of get what he's saying. I think if his mortality's in front of him, it's pretty much do or die. But I think you have a bit of a stronger uh, view of this, Hamish. Oh, I think it, you're right. It's obvious what he's trying to say, that his career was on the line, but just mortality, having it in front of you. Harper, can you please... Because I don't even know myself the answer to this question. Is it is it possible to have it in front of you? Well, you're looking it in the eyes. You're, you're giving it the big stare. And so he got he got delisted by North Melbourne. So he was picked up in the uh, supplementary selection period by by the Saints. Um, so I think he very much did have his football mortality in front of him. I think it maybe just jars a bit because we're not used to um, football speaking about life and death scenarios because we don't mm. consider them uh, <laughs> scholarly or philosophical, Connor. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'm coming after my own boys here, but after North's 2020 season, if you're one of the blokes getting delisted from that side, it's pretty fair to say that uh, your football mortality was in front of you. Hamish, any other thoughts on it? You certainly did rise from the ashes. You're probably not far from the truth there. Or we could use a number of biblical analogies to describe <laughs> his career revival. But um, kudos to Seb, I think, for attempting something that's outside the usual mm. football lingo. But um, I'm still dubious, but I, I can see how it works. I don't mind it. But what a, a bit... Uh, a confusing one for me is the ultimate professional, which was mentioned right at the end there. Just, just try to play it off. It is a massive, massive cliche. You never hear the opposite of it. Like you don't say, "Oh, Mason Wood, what a prick!" Is the ultimate unprofessional player. You never hear players <laughs> slamming each other in the media like that. Um, so, Connor, I, I want to know from you what makes up the ultimate professional, Mr. Mason Wood, or the hundreds of other players that that word's been uh, branded onto. Oh, I think it would have to be someone who's pretty well prepared during the week on time to on time to meetings, um, leading from the front behind the scenes, that sort of thing. And maybe just a slick kick of the footy I might add in there as well. Something like that just makes him look more professional. Yeah, I, I feel like you, you can't have too much star power about you. You, can, you can't be um, like a back-to-back Brownlow medalist or anything like that. You can't be front and centre. You have to be hidden away a bit. And oh, like you're not the big star. You're not the hero of the team. But you're the ultimate professional, and that, that's that's what you do. You're a kind of good clubman, Hamish. Yeah, I think it does make a good clubman. So you're right about behind the scenes. But thinking about it literally, I think ultimate probably lends to meaning closer to being the final product. Um, and I guess we don't really know because we don't have access inside the St Kilda rooms, but mm. is he the final product of an ultimate professional? Are you showing that to your kids and going, do you want to be like this guy or is it more of a, <laughs> I don't know, Robert Harvey oh. type t- 
to well, use I a think it's an off-field thing. I don't think it even attaches mm. itself to to on-field. Um, like maybe you're training, but not not on game day necessarily. Probably, I think. But um, maybe I, I guess we just don't know because we haven't seen. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not a Saints supporter. I haven't heard too much about what he's like behind the scenes, but maybe he is. I wonder how many ice baths he's taking <laughs> per day. <laughs> is there a requirement? Too soon. Um, <laughs> uh, another one from the uh, Saints Power game, actually, from Friday night. Um, there are a couple kind of uh, contradictory uh, headlines from AFL media. So, we had on uh, the AFL YouTube channel their highlights package of the game was named Saints and Power Play Out a Sea Soaring Contest. Had very few lead changes, of course, and uh, people thought it was quite an exciting game. It was, yeah, seesawing, I think it's fair to say. But then, friend of the show, I must say, as much as I hate to say it, Sarah Black uh, <laughs> committed a bit of a football linguistic crime, in, in my opinion here. And she's rolled with, for her headline of the match report, presuming it's her, maybe some editor or something, but we'll say it's her, Power Shut Down Inform Saints in Marvel Slugfest. Hamish, was this a slugfest? It was uh, 11 1076 to 12 11 83 under the roof. Can that be a slugfest? I was, I was going to say, is any game at Docklands a slugfest? <laughs> I'm not sure. Would we have to we'd probably have to go back a bit to find one? But it's certainly way too high scoring to be considered a slugfest, mm. Connor. Yeah, agreed. I think a slugfest for mine sort of has to do a little bit with the weather anyway. So, like, absolutely. If yeah. I thought of a slugfest, I'd think of a really rainy and just a overall crappy day to be playing footy. Um, but yeah, obviously under neutral conditions, under the roof, you can't really have that. Well, I think it was the uh, the Bulldogs Port game from uh, the week before, which was, that, that could be damned a bit of a slugfest. It really the rain came down pretty hard at times. And Hamish, your Blues and Mine Bombers played a fair few slugfests, uh, <laughs> maybe up to three or four years ago. We had a few back to back games in the rain at the G. I think. Yeah, we love the the rainy games at the G. Um, <laughs> so. I think weather's definitely a factor and also low scoring. Um, my biggest gripe was with this headline was the little subheading underneath it. Um, she said, Port Adelaide has passed a major test against the latter leading St Kilda on Friday night. Can yes. it be a test if you've beaten them? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you can pass a test, but I don't think you can... I'm not sure about passing a test against a team who's as good as St Kilda are in terms of the latter. I think passing a test is kind of uh, avoiding a little banana skin, uh, something like that, a, a danger game perhaps. I, I don't think mm. it's – the Port weren't the favourites, so I don't think you can say they passed a test, even though it was a great win from them. Yeah, I think also um, Port's best footies arguably been proven already to be up there anyway, so I don't know if it was a massive test as it was. It's not like, it's not like they were uh, – tr- well, obviously, they didn't go too well last year, but it's like they've been down the bottom of the ladder for a few years and now they've come up all of a sudden. It's like the next test on, say, Collingwood. I think their footy, their good footy had already been proven, if not at better than St Kilda's, at that similar level. So it's not a test anyway. Boys, I'm, I'm not sure how I actually did this, but the first time I read this one, I somehow read it as Port Adelaide has given St Kilda a major test against the... Ladder leaders on Friday night. I don't know how I did it, but I did. Um, so that's where my first question came from, and then I obviously read it out loud and realised that wasn't 
uh, in any way what she wrote. So I should apologise to Sarah. I've started yeah. off on the wrong note and then just asked probably the worst question of all time. So <laughs> yeah. my, my, my apologies, boys. Maybe we, we might need to um, first thing next week put you on the tribunal. The MROs referred you. I'm, uh, it's a head scratcher. I'm happy to turn myself in for that. That was <laughs> absolutely abysmal. And I thought I'd better get on air to correct myself before I get shot down for asking the worst leading question of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and people, uh, if they do want to get in touch with us, get in touch with us and give Hamish a bit of a whack. We're at Dictionary HQ on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and footydictionary at gmail.com if you want to <laughs> give us an email. Um, but I actually gave a message to Sarah Black. I invited her onto the show, invited her to maybe leave a voice note or something. She said no, and I'm thinking it's maybe because I called an idiot, called her an idiot and a criminal. Uh, <laughs> but look, sorry, sorry, sorry to Sarah for giving her a bit much of a whack potentially, but um, we're happy to have you back on any time. Uh, we really, really enjoyed it. And if you want to listen to the back catalogue of the episode with Sarah Black, we do invite you to do. But, Connor, I want to know from you, seesawing, that's also a definition that's applied quite liberally, I feel. So this game had uh, five lead changes, I believe. The Saints got out to a lead of what, about four goals and then uh, it kind of stayed between that and Port up by goal or two. So seesawing, tell me what you think of seesawing. Yeah, I think seesawing would definitely need to be... Oh, there was a game last week actually, I think, with a lot of lead changes... But I can't think of it. But, yeah, I think, as you said, it'd have to have a lot of, like, probably almost 10 or so lead changes, just end-to-end um, constant changes in momentum. But watching the game, um, as you said, it could be taken literally just bouncing off half-back, and that could be used as seesawing. So, not too sure. Hamish? I've just shown up an image on my uh, phone of the... Uh what do they call it? The worm? The worm. The wriggle worm. worm? Yeah, yeah, the worm. I've got the worm out. Um, it's not... <laughs> there's a couple of lead changes. How many? Let's count this out. There's one, two, three, four, five. So there's five. It's, you know, it's a little bit. It's. Um, is it, how much of a lead change thing is it and how much of a momentum thing is it? Because like, if, let's say, the Saints got out by 10 goals and then the Port, Port brought it back and then the Saints regained the lead and won, would that also be seesaw? I'd say it's more of a momentum thing because um, I don't think if you're trading blow for blow, oh, it's oh, a great question. Maybe it is seesawing, yeah. but I do, when you say seesawing, I imagine a game where, um, for instance, there's a game between the Carlton and Dogs in 2019, I think it was. I think the Dogs jumped out the seven-goal lead and then Carlton just hit the front and then the Dogs got out to another big lead and then Carlton got within a goal. Like there's another seven-goal lead and then Carlton got within a goal at the final side. I think that's what I would define as a seesawing game, massive mm. shifts in momentum. But I guess if it's goal for goal, you could somewhat consider that a seesaw, but maybe a little bit more, a little bit of a smaller seesaw. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. <laughs> Extra kitty type seesaw. Yeah. In my mind, um, it's like three goals for three goals kind of thing. If it extends yeah. too much out to... Like a ten goal, ten goal to ten goal or whatever, that might be a bit too much. Like that, that seesaw would be going up real high, like hitting the clouds, <laughs> um, going to visit the footy gods. 
up there on the seesaw. But you are, of course, listening to the Footy Dictionary on Sin. Great to be with you for another week. And Hamish Connor, uh, we love speaking about journeymen on this show. There was a journeyman uh, debuting this week, or maybe dubious journeyman. So I want to chat about him. But uh, Hamish, we gave a promise to people, or specifically you gave a promise to people last week on the show. What was it? Just remind us. I said we'd have a sting for this, and you bet, as Dwayne Russell says, oh, baby! We've delivered. Please, hit it. And I think it's going to be a long, long time Till I'm regularly seen in the forward line I'm not a man who lets the breath run low Oh, no, no, no I'm a journeyman Journeyman Playing serviceable footy at a multitude of clubs that is, of course, Jerry Bad. How good. Dictionary. Uh, that is tight. <laughs> oh, how, how good is it? <laughs> Connor, the question I've got for you is Josh Shackey debuted for the days against the Ruse, uh, your Ruse, on Saturday night. Uh, is he a journeyman? I'm leaning towards no uh, without going too far into his stats, but Hamish, have you got anything for us? I think, I feel like we may have touched on this in a. This historical episode last year, but if you're a top first round pick, I don't know if you can be considered a journeyman because yeah. mm. the expectations of you are far too high from the beginning. Yeah, I agree. Like he's an under deliverer, uh, really, when it comes down to it. Maybe maybe they'll change in the future. Maybe he'll be a reliable, serviceable player uh, by playing for a multitude of clubs, which he has already. It's his third, but his look. He hasn't. Uh, Maybe I delve too much into the looks of journeyman or potential budding journeyman, but Connor, I think he's a bit too kind of clean cut to be a journeyman. A bit, too, bit too pretty boy, do you think? Yeah, I was going to say a bit too much of a private school looking boy. Now that I look yeah. at him, uh, but I know Hamish will be will be looking to defend him, given he's a bushies product. But yeah, I think he's a bit of a bit of a private school look to him. Yeah, he's a Seymour local, but he's definitely got that clean-shaven private school look. I feel like he's certainly putting his hand up for journeyman selection, and maybe we are being a little bit harsh at the selection table, But um, because if you look at his career stats and output alone, you, it's ticking every box, but on pure, pure looks and pure drafts selection number, uh, I think he's probably... Going to need at least another two clubs before we, we chuck him in there. Sorry, mate. <laughs> another two clubs? Okay. Yeah, just looking at his stats now, I've had a look at him. He, he, as Hamish, I think you went into just quickly, he's, he is definitely putting his hand up. Like, he's on, he's well on his way <laughs> now, like, on paper, having a look at it. Um, and yeah, maybe I reckon even one more club, and if he plays, even if he plays another three or four years at one more club without too much success or too many games under his belt, I think he's definitely in the category of a junior. I reckon just even beefing up the stats for Melbourne a bit, if he hits 30 games for Melbourne, um, I reckon he's really like much more in contention, much deeper. Um, but Tim Watson, actually, this is from a couple of years ago. This is uh, after the Dogs had made the grand final, I think it was, in September of 2021. Um, the, there's a headline on uh, an SEN article saying Tim Watson had written off journeyman bulldog. Uh, so two years ago, hey, Mish definitely wasn't a journeyman two years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wispy, wispy, what are you doing, mate? It's, uh, 
It's like he's forgotten the name of the demon coach all over again. So <laughs> <laughs> another man from Wispy Watson. Well, and speaking of Wispy Watson, actually, uh, his old team, the Bombers, came up against the Cats on Sunday, and uh, we've just got clips for the first quarter alone because Dwayne Russell turned, you know, well. I'll, I'll use the word interesting. A real interesting performance. There's a few clips here. Might pause and play and give him some context, but uh, here, here you go. Dwayne Russell, Bombers Cats. Radical ear waits. In fact, he protects and allows Cam Guthrie to go at it. No, Zach Guthrie, I should say. No Cam Guthrie this afternoon. So Cam run solo. No Tui as well, who was a laid out for the Cats. Cam goes long to the back. It's asked. Pat down to the front. Atkins... But uh, Collar Jasny smothers out. Yeah, quite achiever, Collar Jasny. Silent D. By name and nature in defence. Makes the ball, Mark. Silence. <laughs> Phillips. He knows how important this is in game 50 for Sam Draper. And he struts. Right to the party, but they're dancing down the bombers. Cold figure, superstar. Soccer player from East Sussex in the UK originally came to our game. And he could be the man to keep this momentum going. Leave that matchup one on one. It's almost unfair. And those fans are in for some clicks on Insta. <laughs> Getting some good vision of one of the greatest of all time. Tom Hawkins. Four now. There's the Coleman leaders, Dwight. Put on a show. Last night, Charlie Kerno. Nine goals, if you're unaware. And the race to 100 in on. Which is a good news story in itself. Okay, Connor, let's, let's start with you, where, where it ended. The, the race to 100... Uh, Dwayne Russell's gone with, with so the Coleman medal uh, came up on the screen. And is there a race to 100 goals considering it hasn't happened for what 15 years now, 14 years? Oh no, oh, I know where he's going with it because of the two big boys at the top there. But I think it's more of a challenge for someone to actually mm. get to 100 in general. It can't, can't. Well, was Buddy the last 100 goal kicker? Yeah, he was. Which was when? I don't remind me, but it was 2008. The year Brandon no, Zavala I, kicked 99 goals. Yeah, I was going to say, hey, we should be all over that. <laughs> Thanks, Clarko. Um, anyway, yeah, <laughs> as you were saying, I think it's definitely more of a, like a quest or a challenge than a race. A well, a race would insinuate, a race would insinuate that there's going to be someone that actually finishes the race. Yeah, and exactly. That's still up in the air. Maybe I think if it got to around 20, or oh, maybe a little bit earlier, around 16, 17, and they're still on track for it, but. It's round seven. It's probably a little bit too early to be uh, going for the race, mm. I think. Yeah, well, and I, I wouldn't think that as long as one gets to 100, I don't think they'd particularly care if the, like someone else did either. Mm. Um, uh, I think it's, uh, it's nice to get. It's a nice uh, challenge to succeed in. But uh, if the race hasn't been completed for 15 years, like you say, Hamish, I don't, I don't know if you can call it a race, but um, the Coleman medal race, you, do you like Coleman medal race in general, Hamish? No. 
I, I guess, like, probably, yeah, it's 50-50. I get why they use it, but I, it's not really a race. Players are, I don't know if they're thinking about it, are they, Connor? Well, can it be a race? So the common at medal is obviously the finish line, I suppose, but is it even a race if it's just competing yeah. to see who gets the most? That can't be a race, well, can it? Because there's not a set target. Like We don't yeah. know where it's going to yeah. finish. Yeah. Spot on. Oh, that, <laughs> thank you. And we'll... And another one that uh, old Duano went with was, well, let's go backwards. Sam Draper <laughs> called, called him a superstar. <laughs> okay, Connor, let's start with you. Is Sam Draper a superstar? He's got the kind of superstar personality, but I've, I don't know right now. I don't know if he's got the superstar ability. No, it's it's actually interesting because last week we were discussing if he was a talent, and now we're discussing <laughs> if he's a superstar. So there's a big gap between the <laughs> yeah, media he's personalities. A long way in one week, hasn't yeah, it's um, <laughs> one week's a long time in football as we hear. But I think no, he's not a superstar. I think we'd have to go back to check. But did we not argue that to be called a talent, you can't be a superstar because you just show potential of being a superstar? Was that our mm. whole argument last week? Yeah, but uh, yes, Sam Draper. If well, let's, let's say he makes all Australian this year. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Probably not. But uh, Hamish, superstar. If he, if he makes the all Australian for this for the first time this year, I think you're a star, but you can't put the superstar mm. uh, term in front of. Sorry, the super term in front of the star. You have to be like a top five player in the game for that, I think, and at a consistent mm. level for a few years. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. I think it very much implies a um, maintained, uh, consistent level, uh, very, very high level. You're making All-Australian pretty much every year. You're maybe up there on the Brownlow kicking lots of goals or just some of those factors coming into it at least. Paddy Dangerfield is the number one that springs to mind for me. Uh, maybe Matt Fife as, as well. Uh, <laughs> Hamish? Yeah, that being said, Wispy Watson again. I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on this, but I think at the start of the year on SEN, he was giving his top five most marketable players in the AFL if he was selling the game overseas. And guess who he had at number one? Sam Draper. Sam Draper? Okay. So that's. Mm. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll sure. let Connor go first while I gather my thoughts. Well, I think marketable is a different, a bit different to superstar because yeah. he's. A, he's been a bit biased, I would have thought, and B, he's sort of more, I think, talking about his looks and his his personality, which adds mm. into being marketable, but he's not a super, he still isn't a superstar as of yet. I was just going to say, I think his looks tend to lean towards the journeyman yeah. type <laughs> conversation. Oh, Maybe I if think him he looks a bit too immature Shaffy to be a journeyman, though. Yeah. Like he- he, he looks and acts like a child. <laughs> well, he's, and, he's still very young, so give it a couple of years. And I yeah. think with his mullet and the way it's shaved, that's sort of a self-inflicted look. So can you be a journeyman look with if it's self-inflicted or do you just have to naturally look like Tom Hickey? <laughs> perhaps it, perhaps yeah, it's just it's a, a lifestyle choice. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, a, it's a caveman, ungroomed type, uh, yeah, type outfit and look, I, I think. Well, put, um, but, put it this way, if Shaki grew his hair out, You'd definitely consider him. It wouldn't even be a question, surely. Yeah. For, for German, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I think you're right. But just back on what we were talking about before with the marketability overseas, uh, I think maybe we could get um, Darren Donger Dixon on about this kind of thing uh, in a future week. He's coming on later in the show, of course, but maybe he can talk about this later on. Um, I don't think people overseas really 
give a shit about the players who are really good but doing all the contested stuff uh, and ra- mm. racking up 50 disposals but not kicking any amazing goals or kicking any big hangers. Um, Sam Draper's like kicked that goal last year. He's he took a big specky in his first game, I remember, on the Gold Coast against Brisbane. And he's he's got that like kind of party boy, uh, flashy uh, entertainer look. I get where he's coming from, that's for sure. But it's probably a bit of a stretch, I think, at this stage of his career. Well, who who is number one then? Uh, marketability. I mean, marketability. Marketability overseas is what he was talking about, didn't you say? Yeah. Much? Darcy Tucker was up there. I couldn't actually... Who would be number one? Because as Harper said, they might not particularly care about the actual superstars of the competition because of um, they don't really know the ins and outs of contested bowl winning and stuff that we absolutely froth over. But um, I don't know who would be number one. It's a good question. I think there's an uh, overseas fascination with uh, stereotypical Australianness, and yeah. Sam Draper really embodies that. Um, like he's like Larry fits the Larrikin persona to a T. Uh, like we said, he's got the look, and he's um, does flashy things on the field that overseas people can see in short highlight clips as well. Far out, uh, far. I was just going to say, I gave you a little. Uh... Bones a pick with the Wispy Watson Sam Draper conversation, and you've absolutely gnawed at it and just taken it to a whole nother level. You're big on this now. You're, you're oh, huge on it. Biggest, biggest Wispy Watson defender of all time. <laughs> well, I, I did give him a bit of a whack for Journey, man. Uh, he comes with his pros and his cons. It's, it's, yeah, it's not just all black and white. Nice guy. Though. I think um, I've actually just thought. We'll get on. We'll get away from this straight after this. But I think maybe Bailey <laughs> Smith might be number one because, ah. in terms of, I don't know if I don't know if you boys remember, but when he um, did his uh, Ice in the Veins celebration, which Hamish is very familiar with in the 2020 finals, I think it's it was direct marketability because D'Angelo Russell actually um, commented on it and got around him, and he's a big star in the NBA, so. And he's got the big Aussie look as well. So I think maybe mm. someone like Bailey Smith would be up there. Uh, Charlie Kerno for my... <laughs> uh, we'll move on. I think we've probably exhausted this one. We will move on. But uh, still on uh, something that Sam Draper did, just dissecting Dwayne Russell's commentary even more, <laughs> um, uh, was uh, Sam Draper kicked the first goal of the game for Essendon uh, further than halfway into the first quarter. I think it was after the Cats had kicked the first six. And Connor, Dwayne Dwayne rolled with the the Bombers are dancing now. They were late to the party, but they're dancing now. And then said at the uh, following bounce that they didn't want to capitalise the momentum. I I don't think he's anywhere near the mark on either of those fronts. Yeah, I think the most embarrassing of that package we just played would have been the first one with the Guthrie Cole, but not to the (laughs) footy dictionary because we are most embarrassed by as you said, the dancing call, because that was just a stinker for mine. Uh, yeah. I don't think you can be – they were definitely late to the party, but I don't even think they'd actually arrived to the party after kicking one goal. They would have needed three or four consecutive, and then to be dancing is a whole nother level. Did, yeah, well, did I, I think – I thought at the time that um, Sam – well, I almost expected, and I think this was in Dwayne's mind as well, 
that um, Sam Draper was going to bust out some moves like he typically does in celebration. Uh, <laughs> Dwayne Russell, I think, expected that, had the line in his head ready to go, they're dancing yeah. now and it'll be played over the top of their clip of Sam Draper dancing, be marketed to the people overseas. But Sam Draper didn't uh, <laughs> fulfil uh, his end and uh, do what he needed to. It's well defended. I can't argue with that, actually. I was going to say, like I think you do have to think on your yeah. feet as a commentator. I think Dwayne will yeah. be uh, kicking himself for that. He'd be ruining that, for sure. Um, and mm. he'd be having a good hard look at the mirror. In the mirror, as we speak, at about 4.40 on a Monday afternoon. So, um, <laughs> I don't think we've spoken about the Cola Jasney call again enough. Can we, can we please <laughs> play that back just one more time? Pat down to the front, Atkins, but uh, Cola Jasney. Mothers out. Yeah, quiet achiever, Colin Jasney. Silent D. <laughs> By name and nature in defence. Takes the ball, Mark. Phillips. I love the awkward silence of the other commentators <laughs> in the box. So good. I don't know, who was in there? I didn't actually watch the game, so all I've heard is Dwayne Russell's mistakes, but. Um, do you reckon they were looking at each other and just thinking, where the hell <laughs> is this bike going with this? David King and Jared Healy, I think, in the back of the commentary box were saying, what's going on with this guy, the, the silent D? And then Dwayne kind of saved it for himself, <laughs> um, talking about the fence. But it definitely needed that context to not be like even weirder than it was. And it, does College doesn't even have a silent D? Like the DJ is kind of like a... Spliced together. No, right? that's, it's oh, it's shot. It's Every part about it. You know when you're making um, Jared go quiet and Kingy, who are pretty vocal blokes in the commentary box, just go silent, then it's pretty bad. It's a stinker. I was going to say, to be fair, Jared has his own history of making, uh, how do we say it, phallic um, commentary <laughs> errors with the... Uh, what did he say? I don't want to say He's, it on air. You're talking about sure the, the Gold Coast. <laughs> The Gold Coast, that's the one. Yes, um, I don't think we little... can say that on air, but I think people can look that up. Jared uh, <laughs> Healy, Gold Coast. <laughs> Find that if you oh. don't know of it already. But let, let's move on. Uh, well, one last thing from the Dwayne Russell, I'd just like to say. I very much liked him saying Cam Guthrie, correct himself. Oh, no, sorry, that's Zach. <laughs> Cam's out. And then twice in the next five seconds calling him Cam again. <laughs> oh, that Shocking. was very, very good. Um, Shocking. But, uh, well, not very, very good, but very, very funny. Uh, and the last one from the Essen Geelong game, this is from Josh Gablick's uh, match, match report uh, on afl.com.au. Our good friend, Josh. Uh, yeah, friend of the show. Uh, so, so much for needing a mini preseason. After kicking only three goals in the first three rounds, Tom Hawkins' resurgence in season number 17 has reached uncharted territory after booting a career-high eight goals to make it 17 goals in the past three rounds, 22 for the season. But I've dragged on a bit there, as has that paragraph. But my little gripe with this is uh, uncharted. Uh, and it's rolled with the spelling uh, U-N-C-H-A-R-T-E-R-E-D, which is uh, like a charter flight, not uncharted territory. So may, perhaps that's a, some kind of clever hint towards uh, planes or bombers not being able to reach the territory. But I think it's just a misspelling uh, from, yeah, I think it's fair to say, a reoffending culprit for this kind of thing, Hamish. Yeah. Oh. We've seen his. No, I don't want to be too harsh on the man, 
So I think I'll reserve comment, but I don't know. I wouldn't have thought of that as a, a bomber. Um, nice. What's the word? <laughs> I can't imagine he would have been tying that in anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, it's not, not, it's not the worst mistake ever, but it's pretty indefensible, I think. But uh, coming into our next segment, uh, this another clip from the Essential Long Game. <laughs> Hope you're not sick of these, but uh, I, I quite enjoyed this. This is going to roll us in. Dangerfoot turns and goes. Got him. He's got Hawkins. <laughs> He's got Hawkins. Now, Hamish, kind of the way Dwayne Russell said, he's got Hawkins <laughs> there. It, it sounded very much like me, uh, to me, like he was diagnosing someone. He's got Hawkins. <laughs> he's got Hawkins. So what, I, what I've got for you is a quiz. I'll play a little sting for it. Now, I don't know what Hawkins is. I don't think it's a real disease. But this quiz I've got for you is called Disease or Dead Eye. So for the both <laughs> of you, I've got uh, two kind of clues and, and stories. And you have to say which one's true. One is going to point to uh, something or someone being a disease. And the other one's going to point to them being a legendary forward of our great game, Australian rules football. So one of them's made up and one of them's true. Uh, you both have to guess which one's true, which one is made up. Let's start with the first one. Are you ready to go, boys? Yeah, ready. Oh, I'm all in. Okay, first one for you. Uh, known as the gentle giant for his famously sportsman-like conduct and above average height, uh, former tram driver Jack Donovan led North Melbourne's goal kicking in 1930 with 29 goals in 17 games. But what he was most known for is his 162 goal VFA season with Paran in 1936. So that may or may not be true. Uh, suspend your answers until I give you the second one. Granuloma inguinale, also known as Donovanosis, is an STI. Most common in tropical and subtropical climates, uh, caused by the bacteria Klebsiella granulomatis. Different types of resulting ulcers and skin destruction typically show up one to four weeks after infection, but can take as long as a year. So, is Donovanosis a thing, or is Jack Donovan a thing? Hamish, we'll start with you. Ooh, did you say is the VFL or the VFA leading goal? He kicked 162 goals in the VFA for Paran, but led in the, North okay. Melbourne's goal kicking in 1930. What year was the VFA goal kicking? 36. Big year for oh, Jack Donovan, so, the gentle giant. That's a great year. So it was pre or post North? No, sorry, that's obviously post North Melbourne career. Maybe I should pay attention a little bit more. Um, oh. I'm going to go with true. So you, you, you're in... going to go with his <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm going to go with that he is a football player. Okay. Uh, I want to go with, I was thinking, I was, my originally thought this sounds t- like perfect. It has to be. But I thought Jack Donovan sounds very basic and something like something you could have just thrown together. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to go for it for the just to make it interesting. I'll say he's not a footballer. So you're going to say Jack Donovan uh, was not a footballer and Donovanosis was a disease, and you'd be absolutely correct. It is a disease. 
Jack Donovan was actually a footballer. He did play for North Melbourne, but he only played six games in 1930, and he kicked three goals. Uh, so wasn't quite leading that goal kicking. Got no evidence of him ever playing for Paran. That bit was made up. So Connor leads actually, 1-0, uh, 1-0 to Connor Buttigieg, and we'll move on. I know he's no, to say it, There's a massive red flag when he said he kicked 162 goals. <laughs> Somehow drives it over that. <laughs> we'll when you're having a nightmare, around, um, but we'll move on to the second one, uh, and yeah, is for you, famous for being a shit talker on field and a cartoonist on the side. Uh, 1924 Geelong captain coach Lloyd Hagger booted 389 goals for the Cats in his career, and is now their eighth greatest goal kicker. Lloyd Hagger. Or is it a disease uh, named after internal disease specialist Bertrand Hager? Hager's syndrome is an inherited condition that puts people at an increased risk for developing harmatomatous polyps in the digestive tract, as well as cancers of the breast, colon, and rectum, pancreas, stomach, testicles, ovaries, lung, and cervix. Connor, you can go first on this one. Disease uh, or dead eye? I'm, I'm going to go disease. Haggis injuries. Okay, named after the famous great Bertrand Hagger. Hamish, do you agree? Um, well, purely because if we're going to follow what I think you'll do is you're going to try and go, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, the last one was a disease, so I'm going to make this one the footballer, but then you're going to think, no, that's too obvious, so I'll make this one the disease again. <laughs> so I'm on board with Connor and saying that this is a disease. Exactly my thinking. Well, he could be very silly here. Yeah, he could be triple crossing it. <laughs> you might be very silly indeed. Both oh. of you. That disease, it wasn't Hager's syndrome, it was Poitz-Jäger's syndrome, Poitz-Jäger's syndrome. <laughs> and Lloyd Hager was a famous shit talker for the Geelong Cats in the 1920s. And he was a cartoonist for the Sun News Pictorial. Uh, famously, Lloyd Hager, uh, the eighth greatest goal kicker in Geelong history. And Hamish, by going for the same answer as Connor for that previous one, you've ruled yourself out of uh, winning. Might be playing for pride. Nah. Oh, we could do a tiebreaker. I was, uh, I was going for pride. So, <laughs> going for pride. Okay, let's go to the third and final disease or dead eye. Here's your first clue. Uh, despite only having eight fingers, John Ernest Arthur Muller was a four-time Premiership player and three-time Best and Fairest for Melbourne, who kicked 378 goals for the club between 1934 and 1950. And was named at forward pocket in their team of the century. What are you thinking about that one at the moment, guys, before I give you a disease? I reckon I'm calling is not it's not true. Just because back then did they did anyone play for sixteen straight years back then? I don't know. I feel like players might not have had as big a longevity. That's what my mind's currently at. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to picture the old record books and work out whether they won four premierships in that time because I know South Melbourne won a couple I reckon Fitzroy won a couple Melbourne probably did win a couple did they win four I'm, and with World War Two there as well leaning towards no but you said it's a disease Connor so well, I'm, I, I'm giving you the disease as well. I'm just trying to get your preliminary thoughts. Thoughts. So before you tie yourself down to anything, okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry for rudely interrupting, but I'll give you your 
disease, uh, not literally across this Zoom meeting, but the clue is estimated to be present in around one in one in two million people. Very rare disease. Uh, Muller's disease results in sufferers' connective tissue, muscles, tendons, ligaments, turning into bone tissue, also known as a stone man disease. It's not able currently to be treated or cured. Connor, so, you're winning. You can go first. Is Muller's disease a real thing, or is John Muller a real uh, dead eye for the Melbourne Demons in the 30s, 40s, and 50s? Um, now I'm going back to this uh, tactics of the probability because um, <laughs> I'm honestly I'm struggling. I've got no clue, but I'm going to go against it and say Muller was in fact a footballer. Oh, well, so you've. Uh, You've I'll switched up. Get your I've, own answer. All I'll right, well, that's up. fine. I'll, I'll switch up too. I'm just doing whatever you're not doing. Um, <laughs> if you if this disease isn't real, oh, well, it obviously is. You if it's not real, you've just changed the name. But very believable. And um, I'm going to go with the disease. Well, Hamish, the disease is actually known as fibrodysplasia ossificans progressiva. That means you're incorrect. Mm. He's bang on the money to take out the win 2-0 because uh, John Muller, also known as uh, Jack Muller, was born in Echuca in 1915, played 216 games for the Melbourne Demons, three-time best and fairest. He had eight fingers, but he won four premierships. Connor, congratulations on the win, mate. Very well done. <laughs> by the way things are going well uh, congratulations to Connor on the victory there very well done in uh, this week's disease or dead eye maybe that'll be a recurring segment maybe not but I'll tell you what is a recurring segment boys he's back on the show after not a great performance last week uh, but he, he's been going around Europe he went to uh, Belgium he went to Denmark to uh, really investigate the footy landscapes in those two countries and here he is Darren Donger-Dixon, our foreign correspondent. Yes, g'day, guys. Darren Donger-Dixon here. Uh, thank you for having me back on the show after my masterful performance last week. Much, much, much appreciated. Um, but you did ask me to fill some time on the show. So I have a couple of things to report from to you from the week in footy in Europe. Firstly, uh, I, I did go to Belgium and uh, I saw signs for the, the waffle everywhere. I was like, oh... We're on here. I'll, I'll say Claremont. I'll say Peel Thunder. I'll say Bloody East Fremantle. But not a single sign of a flaming footy ball. I was very, very disappointed coming away from Belgium. Then I headed to Denmark to see the Danish Australian Football League. Went to Copenhagen versus Aarhus. And I was very, very excited for it. But let me tell you. The quality, it was the first game I'd seen in Europe, but the quality was shit house. They called themselves the top league in Denmark, and some of these blokes couldn't even get a game for the Rezies, the VFL. Oh, my, my God, let me tell you how disappointed I was. I was very disappointed, and uh, I came away from it. Now, I tried to speak to some players, but they all they all said to me, this must have been in Danish, didn't know what they were saying. It was something like, you stink too much, something like that. But so they all stayed back and, yeah, they're a very shy group of people, the Danes, apparently. That's just about all I've got for you this week. But uh, hopefully I'll see you again soon. Thank you again, boys. Signing off, Darren Donger-Dixon here in Denmark. Uh, 
<laughs> well, it's a sad dong addiction yet again this week. <laughs> it He's is. had the X Factor <laughs> letdown from last week. With He thought he was interviewing an X Factor winner or a finalist and turned out not to be true. And this week, he just... I've never heard a man more deflated, to be honest. No. What was going on there? What was going on there? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Connor. Uh, but... I think that just about wraps us up for the show. Well, unless we've got something to play us out. But, uh, Corey, is there anything else you'd like to say, Matt? No, I just feel a bit for Donner as well, as you boys do. I think that poor bloke was looking forward to going and watch some, watching some Denmark footy and he's just been <laughs> let down pretty bad. So hopefully we're sending our best wishes out to Donner. Fingers crossed we can get something a bit better from him. Yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Maybe a bit of an investigation for Big Dogger. But something to play you out, as always, this week. But before we go, I will just uh, suggest, of course, to check out our Facebook. Uh, well, we haven't got Facebook. Our, our Twitter and our TikTok and our Instagram. We're at Dictionary HQ. And uh, Dwayne Russell, if, if, you share, if you share any of our stuff, he, he'll give you some words of advice on our Insta. And those fans are in for some... Clicks on Insta, <laughs> getting some good vision of one of the greatest of all time. Oh, yes, it is one of the greatest pages of all time. Thanks very much to Dwayne Russell for sending that in to us. But, uh, Hamish, thank you for coming on, man. It's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, thank you. It's um, ultimately been fun. Probably a bit of an off night, perhaps, from the boys. I don't know. <laughs> we'll let the uh, listeners decide that. I'll put my hand up. But um, ultimately, <laughs> been a great night. Yes, thank thank said, you, mate. And Connor, to you. Notice how I said ultimately, Ty. <laughs> are, are we the ultimate professionals? I don't know. <laughs> I think we are always. That's what we're known as. But Connor, thanks to you as well, mate. We'll see you next week. Thank you again, boys. Next Monday at 4pm. I'll see you. Next Monday at 4pm. And coming up next is Sports Desk. But we've got something to play you out again. Last week we played out a footyology clip. And these two guys, Ron Connolly and Rodney Rocket Ede, Rocco and Rocket... They're knowledgeable dudes. They, they know what they're talking about. But they are, they are prone to some funny little slip-ups, some old man yells at Clay out moments. So here is uh, Ron, Ron Connolly previewing Sydney versus GWS with former Sydney coach Rodney Aid, and maybe he gives him a bit of an accidental whack. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. Uh, the Swans, well, they had a shocker last week. Um their 10th spot now in 3-3 three and three after being smashed by Geelong. 93 points was their biggest loss under John Longmire in, what, 13 seasons. Their biggest loss as a club since 101-point defeat against St Kilda in 1998. Oh, who coached that one? It might have been myself. Yes, I was just thinking that as I was reading it out. Uh, sorry, we'll gloss over the details. 